Fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and the smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today you will be listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. And now, here's Pastor Phil. I tell you, our children are a gift from the Lord, are they not? What a blessing it is to see them with parents that are dedicated to raising them to love Jesus with all their hearts. And we don't raise children to just live a few years. We raise them to live how long, church? Forever. In the great throne of God. There to travel through eternity and to sing His praises. That is an incredible honor. To be able to raise children to God. Well, as we move into our sermon today, I would invite you to bow your heads with me one additional time that we will seek the Lord's mercies as we open His Word. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of seeking your throne and seeking your grace. We ask that here, in this sanctuary, your spirit will mightily move upon every one of our hearts. Father, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be converted by the power of His grace. So I ask that you'll hide me behind the cross, that you will take control of the words that come out of my mouth, the expressions that are on my face, and that every one of us will hear the message we need to hear, and that we'll leave transformed by your grace. We thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say, Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Over the last few weeks, we've been going through the Ten Commandments, and I found it to be very, very convicting to be looking at these rules of life that God has blessed us with that show us how to live happy and fulfilled lives. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going. Last week, I really appreciated Clinton's sermon. If you weren't here or you missed it, I would encourage you to go and listen to it. We need a revival in our church. What do you say? And part of revival is understanding where our lives need to be changed and where the power of the Holy Spirit needs to come in and recreate inside of us the character of Jesus Christ. Are you there in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4? Are you there in Exodus 20? I hear an amen. Verse 4. Let's look at this together. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in the what church heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Verse five, you shall not bow down to them, nor why for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. So the commandment goes on. You might be reading this and saying, you know, Pastor, I don't understand why we're talking about idols. That's not something that we really have here in Western culture. It's not something we really have in in America. You know, I have 
There aren't carved images that I bow down to, and I'm assuming if we were to go to your home, we wouldn't find an incense altar. We wouldn't find an image that's been carved out of wood or stone and that you're doing their obeisance to it every morning and evening. I'm guessing we wouldn't find that. And so we might be able to, if we were to have a checklist of commandments, we'd be able to go down and say, well, you know, that one is one I can just kind of check off and move past because I don't really struggle with idols in my life. And as I've been studying this this last week, we talked a couple weeks ago about idols, and by way of review, for those of you who are here, we saw that idols are anything I desire over the Lord. It's an acronym. Idol. I desire over the Lord. Say it with me. Anything I desire over the Lord. And we talked about how when we were looking at the first commandment, we shouldn't have any other gods before the Lord. That we need to be careful that nothing in my life becomes more important than my walk with Jesus Christ and his transforming power within me. But as I moved into the second commandment and was specifically looking at images and image worship, I started doing some research on what's happening in our culture and our society today. And I was amazed at what is happening in this culture right now. You may think that this is a Christian nation, but I stand before you and say, and you've probably seen it in our culture, there is a shift happening underneath our feet right now. People, our culture is less and less Christian and becoming, there is a movement of spiritualism in our culture that's astonishing. Spiritualism is on the rise in the United States at an alarming rate. And it's put on different garbs. It's got different, Satan has put it under all kinds of different disguises to make sure that we don't recognize what's happening, but it's rising. I read an article this last week that I found very interesting. It was talking about the rise of spiritualism and it said the following, over the past few years, Witchcraft, long viewed with suspicion and even hostility, has transmuted into a mainstream phenomenon. I was like, whoa, okay, what does it continue on? The coven is now the squad. There are sea witches, city witches, cottage witches, kitchen witches, influencer witches who share recipes for moon or water or dream photos of altars bathed in candlelight. A 2017 survey from the Pew Research Center examined the New Age beliefs in America and found that 40 percent of respondents believed in psychics in the U.S. And 40 believe that inanimate objects like mountains and trees are imbued with some type of mystic or spiritual energy that can help fix the energy inside your body. Magnets that you can buy in little tiny things that you wear on your, around your wrist and the magnet's supposed to help keep you protected and safe. Special stones that you can put on as a necklace around. There are all kinds of different things that you can have. Ways you can purify the energy inside your house. This has gone from being a side area to a mainstream cultural event within our society today. It saturates most TV shows and movies. I was reading about a new TV show that's come out that is one of the most watched Right now, it's not on TV, it's on streaming. It's called WandaVision. And it's about a witch, and I'm not going to get into two details, but she has all these magical powers and mystical things. They try to put it in a package of science and special ideas, but church, don't be fooled. If our young people are watching this, they are being indoctrinated with a concept that if you do certain things, you can have special powers. It's dangerous. We need to be careful. There's Thor, God of 
Thunder. There's the Avenger franchises. There's Star Wars. Almost every Disney and Netflix movies, plus many others, are saturated with concepts of the supernatural or interacting with dead loved ones or some other form of spiritualism and mysticism. Church, it's inner society and Satan's goal is to destroy our children through these influences. Spiritualism is here. Yesterday, I was listening to a Christian show. They're interviewing a Christian lady, a well-known, I believe, from what they were saying, well-known author in other circles, who was talking about how important it was in the morning to get up and spend time in devotions and prayer. And I was going, amen, that's right, we got to do that. And then she goes on, and then once I finish that, I make sure to take my time to meditate. And I went, whoa. I'm not here to preach on meditation, but I do want to take a side because it was very distressing to me. And I think that Satan has taken this concept of meditation and has started creeping into Christian circles. Meditation is this idea that you empty your mind of everything and you allow influences to be able to come in and either give you peace or speak to you. And in church, we are to spend time in prayer with Jesus. But biblical praying is very different from the world's meditation. The world's meditation is empty your mind, say a mantra over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you might do it for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour until your mind begins to have this heightened state of hypnotic effect. And you might feel peace and you might have interactions with forces outside of you. But I don't find that concept in the God's word. Jesus fills your mind with his word. He doesn't ask you to empty your mind. He says, fill your mind with my word. Let it transform you. Let it change you. Church, in our culture today, there is a serious awareness of occult and occult practices. In fact, it is so saturated that we may not even realize that we've allowed occult influences into our home. I want to read something from Acts of the Apostles. If you're taking notes, it's Acts of the Apostles, page 289, paragraph 2. It is fondly supposed that heathen superstitions have disappeared before the civilization of the 20th century. Now that quote hit me between the eyes because I kind of landed in that boat. You know how when you're reading along and God says, yeah, you need to wake up, right? I was kind of there, but then she goes on and she says this, but the word of God and the stern testimony of facts declare that sorcery is practiced in this age as verily as in the days of the old-time magicians. The ancient system of magic is in reality the same as what is now known as modern spiritualism. Satan is finding access to thousands of minds by presenting himself under the guise of departed friends. The Scriptures declare that the dead know not what? Church? Their thoughts, their love, their hatred have perished. The dead do not hold communion with the living. But true to his early cunning, Satan employs this device in order to gain control of minds. And that's Satan's goal. Everything Satan is doing, he's trying to figure out how he can gain access to your mind and control you so that you will reject Jesus. I want Jesus to change my life. And I believe you do too. That's why we're here. And as I was studying for this sermon, the Lord helped me realize 
that there is spiritualistic impacts that are creeping into our lives that are extremely dangerous. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 as we just finish this concept of how Satan wants to destroy you. And don't worry, we're going to end on how God will protect you. Amen. I'm thankful that Satan is a defeated foe. But we've got to remember who we're dealing with because I think sometimes as we go into battle, we think we got this. In church, we don't. Without Christ, we'll never gain the victory. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Are you there, church? I heard a weak amen, so I know you all are turning there still. We'll give it a few more moments. When you're there, let me know. I want us to read it together as a church. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It's there near the end of the New Testament. After Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Let's read this aloud together. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. Satan's goal is to destroy you. We know this. But he doesn't walk up and say, hey, I'm here to kill you. Will you let me do it? No. He has a thousand different disguises that all are with one goal to get us to allow him to be in control of our lives. And that's spiritualism. We think of spiritualism as the witchcraft that may have happened somewhere else in the world, but church, spiritualism is allowing Satan to have an influence or control in my life. Don't. Let's go down to verse 9 because I'm so thankful for the rest of this passage. Satan's going around seeking to destroy us. Notice verse 9. Resist him. How? Read it with me. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by our brotherhood in the world. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us by his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and what? Who does the work? God won't take control of you without your permission. He is too much of a gentleman to do that. But if we allow Jesus to step in and take control of our lives, He will work in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let us not be mistaken for a moment. You have in yourself, on your own, no power to say no to Satan. He is stronger than you or I. But I'm so thankful that though he's stronger than us, he is defeated by every single one of God's angels. And the moment I turn myself over to Jesus and I say, Christ, I'm yours, take me, the power of Christ comes in and he sets me free from the power of Satan. And now there's something we have to realize, though, in this great controversy. See, spiritualism, Satan wants to attack us and he will use every means he can. He's wily, he's deceptive. And there are times that he will angle things or use excuses to come in and influence our homes. And what I want to spend a few minutes talking about here is how we can make sure that Satan doesn't have access to our homes. Do you want to know how to do that? Let's start with number one. Notice this powerful quote. Satan is constantly at work 
but few have any idea of his activity and subtlety. The people of God must be prepared to withstand the wily foe. It is this resistance that Satan dreads. What does Satan dread more than anything else? The resistance in the name of Jesus Christ. He knows better than we do the limit of his power. And I love this next part. I love this next part. How easily he can be overcome. If we resist and face him through divine strength. Whose strength? Divine strength. The weakest saint is more than a match for him and all his angels. And if brought to the test, he would be able to prove his superior powers. Therefore, Satan's step is noiseless. His movements stealthy and his batteries massed. He does not venture to show himself openly, lest he rouse a Christian's dormant energies and send him to God in prayer. Because he knows if I go to God in prayer, guess what's going to happen to what he wants to do? It's going to be defeated. His goal is to keep you and I from understanding what he's doing. And I can tell you that Satan tried to stop me from coming this morning to preach to you all. Because he hates this message. So I trust you're praying for me and for you that God will help the message be clear. Amen? So what are some of these idols that come in? I want to talk a little frankly this morning. Areas that the Lord has rebuked me. That we must be careful. Go back with me to Exodus chapter 20. And then I want to look at several of the idols that we can have. You see, idols can come in different forms. But I want you to notice from Confrontation, page 51, paragraph 1, what Ellen White is talking about, the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And notice this. I found this very, very convicting. Christ knew that appetite would be man's idol and would lead him to forget God and would stand directly in the way of salvation. An idol that is far more common than any of us want to acknowledge, I believe is what is put on our plates in front of us every day. We don't like to talk about it. It's something we don't like to hear. Something that makes us squirm in our seats. Because we don't like to think that there's anything in my life that might stand between me and God. But Lord, help me not to hold on to an idol when Jesus is saying it's time to let go. To think that something on a fork could stand in the way. The church, think about it. Where did this whole mess start 6,000 years ago? What was it that was pulled off a tree? A piece of fruit. And by the way, that was vegan. Are you with me? And that fruit, though, Jesus had said what? Don't eat it. And Eve, by partaking of that, started the mess that we have today. Church, is there anything in your life that you have said, this is more important to me than heaven. CH 68 paragraph 1 says this, One lady who for many years claimed to be sanctified made the statement that if she must give up her pipe or heaven, she would say, farewell heaven, I cannot overcome my love for my pipe. This idol has been enshrined in the soul, leaving to Jesus a subordinate place, yet this woman claimed to be holy the Lord. Is there something that is in the area of diet or drink 
The Lord has said this needs to go. And yet, in your mind, you may not have said it, but you're holding on to it because it maybe it means more to you than the Savior who gave His life. Church, if that's the case, it's an idol. Praise God, He'll give you the victory, but let Jesus take that idol. He's not taking anything good away from you. He's taking away that which is really killing you. That pipe was killing that woman. Are you with me? He's taking it away and He wants to replace it with something better. Let Jesus take the idol away. There's another idol. It's the area of self and money. These men do not worship God. They worship self as their idol. They put justice and mercy out of mind, replacing them with avarice and strife. God said, shall I visit them for these things? In Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 9, if money means more to you than your walk with Christ, that is an idol that you've allowed to be established and it will be your undoing. Here's another one. This one is where I believe in many of our homes, if we're not careful, Satan can set up a headquarters. The liquor drinking, the smoking, the gambling, the horse racing, now notice this next part, the theater going, the great importance placed upon holidays, all are a species of idolatry, a sacrifice upon the idol altars. What I want to focus in on here is entertainment can become an idol that we hold on to. Now church, this sermon isn't about entertainment. But I would challenge you to take the Word of God and look at what it is that you watch in your home. Does it line up with that which is true? With that which is honest? With that which is of good report? Does it line up with what the Word of God lays out as what should be what we take in? Could it be that we have allowed into our lives these forms of entertainment and they are actually indoctrinating not just us, but our children in the ways of the world and are leading us away from God to that which will be the very opposite of what God wants us to have. Church, God wants to use our homes as lights in the darkness. Be very careful what influences you allow in. But you may say, oh, pastor, don't touch what I watch. It is what gives me a way to get an escape from the pressures of the life that I'm carrying. Yes, I get that. Church, those of you who have known me for a while know that media is an area I have struggled with for years. But God has given the victory. What do you say? And he'll do the same for you. I get the pull of media. But what the Lord convicted me years ago was that media was my idol instead of Jesus being my God. The Lord looks down upon the brokenness of our lives and He says, my child, will you let me change you into a new being? So I want you to go with me to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. As I thought and I meditated upon the work that God needs to do in my life, I realized there are idols that I am holding on to, and you may be realizing there are idols you're holding on to. Anything that you say, I can't give this up if Jesus asks me to do that, is an idol that you're holding on to. 
The Lord wants to change our lives. There's one other piece that I failed to mention earlier. As you're going to Ezekiel 36, I would have to mention this. I would submit that some of us may have in our homes images that come from other parts of the world that we just think are interesting and decorative, but are directly tied to worship of evil spirits in the places they come from. And we may think nothing about that, but I would encourage you, if you have something in your home that in another area is worshipped as an idol, why have anything tainted with the spirit of Satan in your home? You may not be worshipping it. You may not be bowing down to it. But church, we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We want nothing to do with the works of darkness. And I would encourage you, I believe the Bible encourages us to take those and remove them. Don't give them away to someone else. Do what the Ephesians did and burn them outside your home. Remove these things so that only Christ may be there. Ezekiel chapter 36. When you're there, would you say amen? Therefore, thus say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my what? Holy name's sake. Which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. I want to make this to me is such an incredible promise. When God comes in, and we realize our brokenness and our need to be transformed. He doesn't come in and change us because we're worthy. He comes in and does it for His glory. He takes me and He doesn't come in because He's looking at it and He's like, okay, you know, Phil, you've got something. Because there are times when I come to God and church, I feel worthless and I feel useless. And Jesus says, it's okay, I'm doing it for my glory. I'm going to take your brokenness and I'm going to lift you up because I care for you and it is to my glory to take a hopeless human and turn them into someone that reflects Jesus Christ. Notice verse 23. And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in your midst and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle what, church? Clean water on you and you shall be what? Clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Verse 26. I will give you a what? What a promise and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. What a promise. Christ takes us in our brokenness with the idols that we hold on to. He takes us and he says, if you will let me for my name's glory, no matter how broken, unworthy, and filthy you feel, if you trust me, I will take you and I will change you. I will cleanse you. I will put a new heart, a new spirit within you. And you will walk in my presence from this day forward. Church, I want that new heart. How about you? Chapter 37, you can read it on your own as a repetition of that. Ezekiel sees a valley of dry bones. And the Spirit 
speaks to those dry bones, puts those bodies back together, puts muscles and sinews on them. Then the Spirit, like a wind, goes over the dry bones and they live in the presence of Jesus. Church, you may feel dead this morning. You might feel like you're broken this morning, but God's Spirit breathing over you will give you new life and new purpose as you go forward in Jesus Christ. The idols have to go. Because the idols will stop God from working. The Lord is doing a special work at the Lansing Church. He, I believe, is starting to bring a deeper spiritual walk into many of our lives. And as we're going through these, each time we go through a commandment, it's a call to search our hearts and find out, is there an area I need to surrender to Jesus? So every head bowed, every eye closed, it's time for the appeal. What idol, image, area of spiritualism are you holding on to this morning? Have you allowed... Media and that as you're watching, you know, don't reflect Christian principles. Are you allowing there to be appetite that you know Jesus doesn't want you to eat or drink? As you look at these things in the quietness of this sanctuary, as I pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity to confess and forsake the idols between you and God and ask Him to take control of you once more. Father in heaven, as we bow before you, we have a great need. A great need. We are people of clay. You know the brokenness of our hearts. I'm so thankful that you're the God who lifts up and transforms, who has mercy and changes. And Father, in this sanctuary, there are my brothers and sisters. We are here. And there are idols in our lives that need to be gone. And in the next few moments, O Holy Spirit, do that divine, gracious work. Bring to our minds, convict us of what we need to let go. That Jesus might be the only one who's on the throne of our hearts. Father, you've heard our confessions. Thank you for the promise of 1 John 1.9. If we confess, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And like we heard in the children's story, it's because you want to be our best friend. You love us so much. Father, take us, hold us, control us, change us. May that great revival and reformation that only you can do happen in our homes and in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You 
have been listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you enjoyed this sermon, why not visit his church this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the church at 5400 West St. Joe Highway in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 1050 a.m. Access their website at lansingadventist.org. This program has been a Strong Tower Radio production.